Hello and welcome to the February edition of Farm Intelligence's podcast series. In this week's podcast, we will be discussing some of the latest data and future trends for polyATP ribose polymerase inhibitors, or PARP for short. There are currently four PARP inhibitors on the market, uh, which are expected to generate $10 billion of sales between them by 2030. The first half of our talk will focus on current dynamics in ovarian, breast, prostate and pancreatic cancers. The four indications where PARPs are approved, uh, while the second half of our talk will look at novel strategies that each of the companies are employing to, to stay ahead of the competition. First off, I'd like to introduce Datamonte's oncology analyst team, Ellie Davenport and Millie Gray. Hi. Okay, thanks for joining me, Ellie and Millie. <clears throat> we'll start with ovarian cancer, where PARP inhibitors are the dominant class of drug. Ellie, can you give us an overview of the current market dynamics? So ovarian cancer is highly responsive to chemotherapy and uh, chemotherapy has always been the standard of care treatment in combination with surgery in this indication. Basically, one in three women with ovarian cancer have tumours that have faulty DNA damage repair mechanisms. Um, and this is through harmful mutations in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. And tumours that lack this DNA repair ability are called homologous recombination or HRD positive. And in ovarian cancer, there are currently three approved PARP inhibitors. However, it's mainly a competition between AstraZeneca and Merck's Limpasa, which was the first PARP inhibitor to be approved in ovarian cancer in 2014. And this drug is now the standard of care first-line maintenance therapy for BRCA-mutated ovarian cancer patients in both the US and the EU. And then this drug is competing with GlaxoSmithKline's Zizula, um, which was approved slightly later in 2017. But although Limpasa has faced competition from Zizula recently. Um, position familiarity with both Limpasa and it's approved with Avacin will likely continue to limit the uptake of Zizula slightly in the maintenance setting. And then you have another PARP inhibitor, which is Rubraca. Um, however, this, is, this development has lagged significantly behind Limpasa and Zizula, and it's experienced only moderate uptake in the US and the EU as a maintenance treatment for a current platinum-sensitive ovarian cancer. And it's also approved in the US as a third line or later treatment for BRCA-mutated patients. But basically, label expansions for Limpasa and Zizula have made it increasingly difficult for Rubraca to compete with those two. Um, however, it is in development with a potential combination with Obdivo for the first line maintenance setting, and this could expand its commercial potential. Thanks, Eddie. As you mentioned, PARP inhibitors were first approved for those with BRCA-mutations. However, Zajula has now received an approval to treat patients regardless of mutational status and in part of those whose cancer is associated with HRD positive status. How successful are those PARP inhibitors in treating ovarian cancers patients without BRCA mutations? Yeah, so as I said, both PARP inhibitors were initially improved in the platinum sensitive maintenance setting, um, and this was for patients with BRCA mutations. But in 2020, both Limpasa and Zizula received label expansions that allowed them to be used for the treatment of the wider ovarian cancer population. And these approvals were based on the phase three Paula and Primer trials for Limpasa and Zizula, respectively. Um, and Zizula actually managed to get ahead of its competitor here by receiving an approval earlier than Limpasa. And also its approval is for the maintenance treatment of all patients with advanced ovarian cancer. Uh, Limpasa's approval followed a couple months after Zizula's, but it's actually limited to patients whose cancer is associated with HRD positive status. So this means either they harbour a BRCA mutation and or they have genomic instability. 
So what was shown in the PRIMER and Paola trials was that although PARP inhibitors showed benefit in patients with BRCA, without BRCA mutations, it was less of a magnitude than in patients with BRCA mutations. So in the PRIMER trial, which studied Zazula maintenance therapy in patients with newly diagnosed ovarian cancer, um, Zazula showed a median progression-free survival of 13.8 months in the whole population. But in a subset analysis, the BRCA mutated patients showed a median PFS of 21.9 months. And the same was seen in the Paola 1 trial, which combined Limparza with Bevacizumab in HRD positive patients. So in the BRCA mutated patients, they had a median PFS of 37.2 months, but the median PFS of the whole population um, without BRCA mutations, but HRD positive patients was 28.1 months. Now, Veliparib is going to be the last to market PARP inhibitor. How well do we think it will compete against established parpenters? And uh, do you think Abvi has anything in its oncology pipeline that it could perhaps couple with filiparib um, to gain market share? So filiparib is in development for the first line and first line maintenance treatment of advanced ovarian cancer patients. And this is regardless of mutational status. And this is in the US and the EU. And similarly with other PARP inhibitors, in its phase three study, it showed in combination with frontline chemotherapy, followed by viliparib maintenance therapy, uh, the primary benefit was shown in patients with BRCA mutations. And overall, its commercial potential, I think, will be limited as it will compete with Zula and Limpars in the first line maintenance setting, which are already established. And it will also potentially compete with the checkpoint inhibitors, which are in development for the frontline setting. Um, several checkpoint inhibitors, including Gemperly and Infinzi, are in late phase development in both the first line and first line maintenance treatment settings. And these are in combination with the other PARP inhibitors. And this is because there's hypothesized mechanistic synergy between the two classes, which is in addition to inducing DNA damage, PARP inhibitors actually can cause the upregulation of PDL1 expression. So GSK are developing the combination of Zajula and their PD-1 inhibitor, Gemperly, in the first line setting. And AstraZeneca is hoping to expand Limparza's use through a combination with Infinzi in the front line setting, uh, front line maintenance setting also. And this combination is also in development for endometrial cancer too. Um, and both of these combinations are expected to receive approvals in 2024. And so they'll be marketed ahead of any potential combination therapy for Viliparib. Also, I don't think Ampi has a strong oncology pipeline and doesn't actually have a PD-1 or PDL1 inhibitor beyond phase one investigation in oncology. They have AbV181, which is in phase one development for ovarian cancer. But again, any development for this combination will lag far behind its competitors. That's interesting. Um, so how do we expect the PARP inhibitor market, at least in the ovarian cancer space, to change over, say, the next five to 10 years? So we forecasted Limparza's ovarian cancer cells to be around 810 million in 2021, which is almost double Zajula's 546 million in 2021 predicted cells. So Zajula is forecasted to continue to gain on its rival by around 2026 as label expansions start to kick in. Rubreca lags behind both of its competitors, with its cells only estimated at 167 million for 2021. And lastly, Viliparib is expected to start generating ovarian cancer cells in 2025, although these are weak in comparison to its rivals, and they're predicted at only 29 million in 2026. Thanks, Ellie. 
Um, so if we can now move on to pancreatic cancer, uh, could you give us some background on how they're used in this syndication? Yeah, so in general, pancreatic cancer is highly resistant to chemo. And although the current standard of care chemotherapeutic regimens provide transient disease control, eventually you find that tumours develop chemo resistance. And pancreatic tumours that are BRCA mutated tend to respond better to platinum-based chemotherapies, which simplifies the rationale for using PARP inhibitors in patients with BRCA mutated pancreatic cancer. So although BRCA mutated cancer accounts for about 5 to 7% of all pancreatic cancers, there is a significant need in this difficult to treat patient population. So Limpasa is the only PARP inhibitor approved for the treatment of metastatic pancreatic cancer. And it's approved as a first-line maintenance monotherapy in patients with BRCA-mutated metastatic pancreatic cancer, whose disease has not progressed on platinum-based chemotherapy. So in its phase three POLO trial, uh, it showed a statistically and clinically significant improvement in PFS compared with placebo in advanced pancreatic cancer when it was used as a maintenance therapy. But although there was an improvement in PFS, there was no overall survival benefit shown and uh, Basically, overall survival is a really direct measure of clinical benefit in a population with short life expectancy, especially when we consider that all other approved first line treatment options in pancreatic cancer showed overall survival benefit. However, AstraZeneca did argue that BRCA mutated patient population was too small to basically power a trial for overall survival. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, given the relatively small size of the pancreatic cancer market, um, do you know if there's any other pipeline candidates also in development for pancreatic cancer or will uh, Limpasa remain as the sole PARP inhibitor? So Rubrecca was also in clinical development in this indication, but its development was put on hold due to a lack of efficacy in 2015. However, Clovis have restarted a phase two trial um, investigating it in advanced pancreatic patients with a BRCA mutation. Um, but unless this really reaches phase three and goes any further than I reckon, Limpasa will probably stay as the dominant and only path inhibitor. OK, thanks, Ellie. Um, so if we now move on to breast cancer. So Millie, could you give us an overview of breast cancer, please? So whilst there are no PARP inhibitors officially approved for HER2-positive breast cancer, the NCCM recommends Limpasa and Talzena for any breast cancer subtype with a germline BRCA mutation. In HER2 um, negative breast cancer, Limpasa and Talzena are both approved in the metastatic second line and beyond setting for patients with BRCA mutations. So Limpasa was the first of the two to be approved in this indication, and it remains the market leader through physician familiarity and a more favourable safety profile, although the efficacy of the two agents is pretty com comparable. So what are the future trends for PARP inhibitors and breast cancer? Uh, in terms of some of the pipeline drugs and label expansions? So in her two negative breast cancer, Limpasa is about to receive approval in the adjuvant setting. Results are already released from the phase three Olympia trial and they are very positive. So AstraZeneca has already filed for approval and it is expected to be granted by the FDA very soon. Um, Talzena, however, is not in any further late phase trials for label expansions in this indication. Um, but it has been previously investigated in the neoadjuvant setting for triple negative breast cancer and patients showed PCR rates of 49.2% in the intent to treat population. But the trial was terminated due to a change in Pfizer's clinical development strategy. So there is potential that Pfizer could come back to these trials and pursue a label expansion um, in a neoadjuvant setting. 
There are also um, late phase pipeline path inhibitors in the HER2 negative setting, um, Zedula and filiparib. So filiparib is being investigated in combination with carboplatin and paclitaxel um, for metastatic second line and beyond HER2 negative breast cancer patients. So this is likely to be a really toxic combination. Um, it had also been in, um, in trials for the phase three brightness trial for triple negative breast cancer. But after the event-free survival data showed for the valiparib combination therapy did not show an improvement over the comparator arm of carboplatin and standard neoadjuvant chemotherapy, there's unlikely to be a further development in this setting. Sejula is another path inhibitor, so that's being investigated as a monotherapy in the recently initiated phase three ZEST trial for early stage BRCA mutated um, hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer patients and triple negative um, breast cancer patients, regardless of BRCA status. JSK Sejula is pursuing a slightly different strategy to the other POPs. Uh, so they're targeting the early stage breast cancer setting. Why are they using um, this strategy uh, so, and why didn't they target the later stages? So the early stage HER2 negative breast cancer population is larger than the metastatic breast cancer population. So if Sejula can show um, efficacy comparable to other agents used for um, early stage systemic therapy, such as Keytruda or chemotherapy agents, it is likely to be able to create significant revenue and establish a niche within that market. However, um, the adjuvant or neoadjuvant setting would be um, a much larger setting than the first line early stage setting and offer the opportunity for higher uptake. Nevertheless, Zedula is forecast to be approved in the setting in 2026 after a number of other novel agents are expected to receive approval. As the early stage setting becomes increasingly crowded, competition will intensify and Zedula's sales may not be as successful as GSK may hope. Current standards of care in the early phase systemic setting are anthracycline or taxane-based chemotherapies, and an alternative to these with strong efficacy and better safety would be welcomed. Um, there isn't much data on it as a monotherapy in early stage breast cancer yet, but there is some earlier phase safety information where it was investigated um, with Keytruda in metastatic triple negative breast cancer. 50% of patients experience grade three or above adverse events, which does seem promising. If this can be recreated in late phase trials, GSK may have some decent success with Zedula. Thanks, Millie. Uh, and now let's move on to prostate cancer, so our fourth indication. Um, would you be able to outline the current dynamics with POPs in prostate cancer? Yeah, so Rubraca and Limpaza are the approved POPs in prostate cancer, with Limpaza again being the market leader. It demonstrated impressive efficacy in the phase three profound study with a overall survival of 19.1 months in the homologous recombination repair deficient cohort or the HRD cohort. And um, only 20% of patients having discontinued to um, adverse events. So this data led to its approval in the HRD patient population. Um, Rubraca lags behind Limpaza due to a later approval and it also has slightly less data available. So it was given accelerated approval based on the phase two Triton 2 study, which although it showed good efficacy and a very low rate of discontinuations, about 5.9%, it only enrolled 277 patients. So that's about 100 less than in the phase three profound study of Limpaza. And no overall survival or progression-free survival data has been released. 
although these were secondary endpoints in the trial. Um, it was also only granted approval for the small population of patients with BRCA mutations, not the wider population of um, homologous recombination repair deficient patients. Um, and the BRCA mutated um, population makes up less than 10% of prostate cancer patients, which will limit its overall uptake. And how do we expect um, the prostate cancer space to change over the next five to 10 years? So in prostate cancer, the phase three PROPEL trial of Limpasa is looking at a label expansion for Limpasa in combination with Zytica into the first line MCRPC setting and is investigating patients with or without um, HRR mutations. So PATH inhibitors for prostate cancer have historically only been effective in HRR mutated patients, but numerical results released last week at ASCOGU um, look like Limpasa could be getting approval outside of HRD mutated population. So Limpasa in combination with Zytiga reduced the risk of disease progression or death by 34% compared to Zytiga alone. Um, and the radiographic progression-free survival was 24.8 months compared to 16.6 months in placebo, which is over eight months different. Um, for only 14% of patients discontinued, which is a very low rate of discontinuations considering it's a combination therapy. So this is a very positive result, likely leading to its approval in the all-comer population. Rubraca is also being investigated in first-line MCRPC in the phase three CASPER trial in combination with Xtandi, but no results were released yet. And the trial was only initiated last year. So Limpasa is likely to get ahead again in this setting and maintain its status as the market leader and that's Rubraca shows some really good results. It's also being investigated in the confirmatory um, phase three trial, Triton 3, for later line MCRPC, which was initiated after it was given accelerated approval from the phase um, two Triton 2 trial. Tal Zena and Zedula are also in the pipeline for prostate cancer, um, which are being investigated as combination therapies for first line MCRPC in the phase three Talapro 2 trial and the phase three magnitude trials, respectively. So the phase three Talapro 2 trial is looking at Talzana in combination with either Xtandi or Zytica um, and is being investigated investigating patients with or without DNA damage repair deficiencies. Whereas the phase three magnitude trial is investigating only BRCA mutated or HRD cohorts. At ASCOGU last week, top line results with Zedula in combination with Zytiga in the phase three magnitude trial were presented. So Zedula reduced the risk of progression or death by 27% in HRR mutated patients, um, but they redu it reduced it by 47% in BRCA mutated patients. It was reported though that 67% of patients had grade three or above adverse events and 46.4% had grade four adverse events, mainly anemia and fatigue. So this is a really high level of severe adverse events for this indication where treatments are generally well tolerated and quality of life is a big factor for prescribers. So overall the efficacy is positive and it will likely lead to an approval for zigula in prostate cancer, but the safety is unfavorable and it will probably limit its uptake. No results have been released for the phase three Talapro 2 trial of Tarzana with Xtandi or Zytiga, but it will be interesting to see how they compare the, um, to the results of Limpasa and Zigula. So Talzana is also the only PATH inhibitor currently in the pipeline for first line MHSPC. 
it is being investigated in combination with the current standard of care Xandi, which um, may be able to boost Talzena's outlook in a setting with fierce competition. There are multiple treatments approved for this setting that have demonstrated excellent overall survival and PFS data, including multiple next-gen androgen receptor antagonists, as well as GnRH antagonists in this setting. Um, so a significant survival benefit will need to be demonstrated, as well as minimal toxicity, which may be difficult in a combination therapy. So all the PARP inhibitors you mentioned are on trial for the first line metastatic castration resistance setting with well-established treatments such as Xtandi and Cytiga approved in the setting. How successful do you think PARP inhibitors will be against them? So the first line um, MCRPC setting is becoming more and more of an unmet need as um, patients are being treated with those drugs you mentioned, Xandi and Zytiga, in um, the earlier hormone sensitive setting and patients will gain resistance as they progress to castration um, resistant disease where their options will very quickly become limited. So I think any therapy that may be able to tackle this resistance and show minimal toxicity could have significant uptake. But of course, the success of the PARPs in this setting will depend on the patient population they're approved for, whether that's BRCA mutated, HRD, or for the whole population. Okay, and my final question here is, uh, what would an approval for Limpasa in the first line MCRPC or CUMA setting mean for any PARPs approved in later settings? So it would likely mean PARP inhibitors approved for later lines of therapy will not be used as much by physicians. Uh, there have been no large studies on PARP rechallenge in prostate cancer, so physicians would be hesitant to prescribe a second PARP inhibitor after a patient progresses on um, a PARP inhibitor in the first line setting. If the PARPs move even earlier into the treatment algorithm to the hormone-sensitive setting, it may then limit their uptake in the first line MCRPC setting, just like what has been seen with Xtandi and Zytiga, and it will leave um, the first line MCRP setting as an unmet need once again. So, Mary, how do you expect um, the PARP inhibitors to perform uh, in prostate and breast cancer uh, in, terms of, in terms of commercially? So in the forecast for HR positive and HER2 negative breast cancer, both Tarzana and Limpasa are forecast to increase in market share over the forecast period as bracket testing becomes more common and prevalence of breast cancer in the US increases. So Limpasa is expected to generate $1.3 billion in the HR positive HER2 negative breast cancer alone um, in 2030. And Tarzana is expected to generate $242 million in the same year. So in triple negative breast cancer, Limpasa is expected to generate $190 million in 2030 and Tarzana revenues are expected to reach $20 million in the same year. So this makes the total expected revenues um, in breast cancer alone approximately $1.3 billion for Limpasa and $262 million for Tarzana just for 2030. Filiparib is forecast to be approved this year after the potential release of OS data from the phase three uh, brocade three trial. But as previously mentioned, its uptake will be really limited due to the toxicity of a triplet combination. Um, it will most likely have a really low single digit market share and is not expected to generate significant revenue. So Jula would likely generate more revenue than filiparib due to an expected approval in the larger early stage population, as well as less potential toxicity. But it would still overall lag behind market leader Limpasa. 
its later pre-war year of 2026 will also allow other novel agents to gain more of the early stage market share and it could make it difficult for Zajula to flourish here. Whereas in prostate cancer, our forecast is still being built out, so we don't have specific numbers yet. But it's, it's expected that Limpasa would generate more revenue than in breast cancer. It is currently approved for patients with homologous recombination deficiencies, a much larger population than the 10 to 15% of patients with BRCA mutations in breast cancer, as 20 to 25% of prostate cancer patients have HRD mutations. It is also likely to gain an approval for the overall population, which will greatly expand its target population and generate significant revenue. I can see prostate cancer being one of its most successful indications. Rubraca would lag significantly behind as it's confined to the much smaller BRCA mutated population with a mid single digit percentage of the market share. Tylosena in prostate cancer is hard to say. If it's successful in the first line hormone sensitive setting, um, it could generate significant revenue, but there is not much data on it yet. There would also be fierce indirect competition in this setting, as there are currently um, some very many successful therapies approved here. It also could be very successful if it's approved for all comers in first-line MCRPC, competing with Limpasa. But it has previously shown its best efficacy is in BRCA-mutated patients, so I would guess that it would lag behind Limpasa and be confined to a much smaller patient cohort here. It would probably have a mid-single-digit percentage of the market share in the settings that is approved in, and generate revenue comparable to Rebecca. Sejula is forecast to be approved in first-line uh, first MCRPC, um, last of the three PARF inhibitors, although all their expected approval dates are very close together due to similar PCDs. The positive results from the phase three magnitude trial are very encouraging, although it will likely only be approved for the HRD population, and being the last PARF inhibitor to be improved in the setting will impact its update, so it will likely generate limited revenue. Thanks, Millie. I think we mentioned that we're going to reach a 10, eight to $10 billion market uh, by 2030. What are some of the strategies uh, that companies are going to employ uh, to reach this target? So in breast cancer, the key strategy, as we've seen Limpasa do, is move into the earlier settings, such as the adjuvant setting, where the patient population is much larger than in the metastatic setting. The NCCN already recommends Limpasa now as an adjuvant treatment option for HER2-negative breast cancer patients after the results of the Phase 3 Olympiad trial. So it's already experiencing uptake in this setting. The neoadjuvant setting could be an opportunity for Limpasa as well as moving earlier into the metastatic treatment algorithm to the first sign metastatic disease. Sejula, as I mentioned, is also being investigated in the early stage systemic setting, targeting the larger population of early stage patients. Um, and as I mentioned, Talzena has been um, investigated in the neoadjuvant setting, but the trial was terminated, although Pfizer did release a statement saying it was not due to safety or efficacy concerns. So I think based on the results released, there is potential for Talzena in its earlier setting. But as there are no ongoing trials and there are none that seem to be planned, it's kind of unclear whether any development will actually happen here. There's not much investigation of PARPs as combination therapies in breast cancer, which is another key strategy. Um, Limpasa is being investigated in the phase two violet trial in combination with AZD6738, an agent which targets DNA damage repair for the treatment of later line metastatic triple negative breast cancer with HRR mutations. The results of which will be very interesting to see as this could really expand the outlook of PARPs in breast cancer. 
because so far they've been limited to BRCA mutation, mutated patients. Um, however, there isn't much investigation into combination therapies outside of this trial. I think potential investigations with immunotherapies and antibody drug conjugates in patients with triple negative breast cancer could give them an opportunity to treat patients outside of the BRCA mutation. And in HR-positive HER2-negative breast cancer, combinations of CDK4-6 inhibitors, Vizenio, Ibrance, or Kiskali, um, could really boost their outlook. Um, and then in prostate cancer, the main strategies to increase PARP revenue um, are both moving into earlier lines of therapy, as in breast cancer, and also finding combination therapies that get, gain efficacy outside of brachymutated patients, either in the HRD population or in the overall population. So AstraZeneca's Limpaz is doing both by being investigated in combination with market leader Zytiga in um, the phase three Propel trial um, in the first line MCRPC setting. Um, positive results recently released show that this strategy has been successful and an approval for the wider first line MCRPC population is on the horizon. Pfizer is employing a similar strategy of Talzana, which is being investigated in combination with Extandi or Zytiga in the first line MCRPC setting and also the first line MHSPC setting. An approval in the earlier hormone sensitive setting could offer Talzana an advantage over the other PARPs, although competition will be fierce. Rubraca is a third PARP inhibitor, which is in trials to move into earlier settings, the first line MCRPC setting. Um, and is being investigated in combination with Extandi for this setting. Sejula is um, only being investigated in one setting, the first line MCRPC setting, but again is being investigated in combination with Zytiga. In prostate cancer, there are many different patient segmentations that the PARF inhibitors could expand into. So the next step from the first line MCRPC setting would be to gain approval in the hormone sensitive setting. There are more agents approved here that could be investigated as possible combination therapies, such as Erlada. So this is an androgen receptor antagonist like Extandi and Zytica. So there is a chance there could be some strong efficacy using this in a combination regimen. Other settings they could expand into um, are the non-metastatic castration resistance setting or even the localised and recurrent settings, which are where the majority of prostate cancer patients lie. However, patients in the localised setting often do not undergo pharmacological intervention and physicians may want to reserve the use of certain therapies for later in the treatment algorithm. It would be difficult for the PARPs to infiltrate the localised settings without showing incredible efficacy, likely in combination with Firmagon or Luprom, and a very favourable safety profile. However, if any of them manage to gain approval here, it would be a significant win for the companies. Okay, thanks for that, Millie. Um, so I think we've spoken quite a bit about uh, combination partners and early indications. Um, I was wondering, Eddie, if you can give us some insight about key label expansions into new indications um, being investigated for the different PARP inhibitors. Um, so the promising data for PARP inhibitors in cancers um, without BRCA mutations, such as in ovarian cancer, has prompted the study of PARP inhibitors in a variety of different cancers that respond to platinum chemotherapy. Um, platinum compounds are the foundation of chemotherapy regimens for both non-small cell lung cancer and also bladder cancer. So both AstraZeneca and GSK are pursuing PARP inhibitor and immunotherapy combinations in non-small cell lung cancer. And Limpaza is also the only PARP inhibitor in development for bladder cancer. 
So Vilipareb was also in development for non-small cell lung cancer. However, it was suspended after it failed to meet the primary endpoints of its phase three trial. However, it does remain the only PARP inhibitor in phase three development in small cell lung cancer. Okay, and what do AstraZeneca and GSK's development plans look like and how do they compare in non-small cell lung cancer? So AstraZeneca and Merck have initiated a broad development programme for Limpasa with their respective checkpoint inhibitors, uh, Infinzi and Keytruda. So the combination of Limpasa and Keytruda is currently being evaluated in combination with concurrent chemoradiation for the treatment of unresectable stage 3 patients in Keylink 12 and as a first-line maintenance regimen for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer patients in Keylink 8. Also, the Phase 2 Orion trial is investigating the combination of Limpasa and Infinzi in the first-line maintenance setting. GSK Sejula is also being tested in combination with Keytruda in the first-line maintenance setting in the Phase 3 ZIL-1 first-line trial. The Zajula and Keytruda combination has previously demonstrated efficacy in the first-line setting in a Phase 2 JASPER study, but there's limited data available for the combinations of maintenance treatment. So late phase data are needed for both combinations, really. But as they are both in development with Keytruda and will be directly competing against each other, the first part that's approved will likely win a large first to market advantage over the other. Okay, how successful do you think Limpasa's development will be in data cancer? So although the current standard of care for patients with locally advanced and metastatic uh, bladder cancer is cisplatin-based chemotherapy and PARP inhibitors have shown efficacy in indications where platinum-based chemo is used, so far PARP inhibitors have not had much success in this indication. So Rubeca was in development for bladder cancer before Limpasa. However, its development has been suspended after it failed to show an adequate response rate in advanced bladder cancer patients who had progressed on one or two lines of systemic therapy. Limpasa currently is being investigated in combination with Infinzi for the first line treatment of cis cisplatin ineligible unresectable stage four bladder cancer in the phase two Bayou trial. However, like Rubreca, it has not shown much promise. So top line results released last week showed it actually failed to meet its primary endpoint of progression free survival. And the data for overall survival was the further disappointment as the Infinzi Limpasa combination actually demonstrated a worse overall survival than seen with um, Infinzi plus placebo. AstraZeneca is planning a secondary analysis, which may suggest that this combination will have a role in treating HRD positive patients. And if it does show promise in this subset of patients, Limpasa will still remain the leading and only PARP inhibitor in bladder cancer, as Rubraca actually failed to even show activity, regardless of um, HRD positive status or not. Thanks, Eddie. Um, another indication expansion that AstraZeneca is seeking is um, Limpasa rechallenge in ovarian cancer patients. Uh, so, so far they've conducted, um, well, they started to conduct a phase three Oreo trial. How much of an opportunity is this for Limpasa? So, prior to Oreo, information regarding part rechallenge was very limited. But now AstraZeneca is investigating whether patients with at least 18 months of exposure to a PARP inhibitor maintenance therapy after first-line chemotherapy, who then go on to relapse, will benefit from Limpasa rechallenge. So this is because although most patients um, in ovarian cancer achieve a durable response when treated with a PARP inhibitor, a majority will eventually relapse. And currently, all PARP inhibitors are indicated for use in patients who have not previously been treated with a PARP inhibitor. So this trial is quite important as PARP inhibitors have become the norm now um, in early lines of treatment for ovarian cancer. 
So if Limpasa receives the label expansion of the setting, it will put it ahead of its competitor Zajula, as patients will be able to receive Limpasa in the second line setting, regardless of whether they've already received a PARP inhibitor in the first line maintenance setting. And a majority of patients, especially those with BRCA mutations, will be receiving a PARP inhibitor in the first line maintenance setting. So AstraZeneca is really hoping to tap into a subgroup of patients that currently would not actually be able to, eligible to receive Limpasa. And to make the opportunity bigger, a good route to go down might be to then investigate the PARP inhibitor and immunotherapy combinations for this rechallenge setting, um, given the suggested synergy. That sounds very exciting. Um, so what do the data look like at the moment for Limpasa rechallenge? So results released at ESMO last year demonstrated patients with relapsed platinum sensitive ovarian cancer had a significant improvement in progression-free survival when retreated with Limpasa. So the study population comprised of 112 patients with BRCA mutated disease and 108 without BRCA mutations. And when retreated with Limpasa, patients with BRCA mutations had a median PFS of 4.3 months, whereas the BRCA wild type subgroup had a median PFS of 5.3 months. Also, 35% of patients in the Limpasa arm were alive without disease progression at six months versus 13% for the placebo group. And the 12-month PFS was 19% with Limpasa rechallenge and 0% for placebo. Okay, thanks, Ellie. Okay, and for the last part of our talk, I wanted to discuss um, the, the forecasted projections for each of the POPs uh, and some of the strategies the companies are using. Um, so Ellie, could you would you be able to cover Zazula? Yeah, so GSK estimates peak sales of Zazula to be two billion, and I expect this to be mainly generated through ovarian sales, um, especially with label expansions planned in combination with Gemperly as it tries to catch up with its rival in Parza. So strong efficacy recently shown in the prostate cancer phase three magnitude trial will likely boost its uptake moderately, and if results permit, Zazula will also benefit from an approval in non-small cell lung cancer in combination with Keytruda. But again, sales may be limited depending on whether Zizula or Limpasa win the first to market advantage here. A later approval in both prostate and breast cancer means that it will lag behind the market leaders for these indications. AbbVie's Viliparib will experience only limited uptake in most indications. In breast cancer, this is due to high toxicity associated with Viliparib treatment. It's also in development for small cell lung cancer, but late phase data for it in this indication are yet to be seen. So it's hard to draw a conclusion at this stage for its success in this area. Also, after a multitude of suspensions and different indications, AbbVie's main hope for this PARP inhibitor lies within ovarian cancer. But again, its forecast remains weak in comparison to its rivals, mainly due to a later entry into the market and going up against the already well-established Sajula and Limpasa. Therefore, for all these reasons, I think low revenues are to be expected for Viliparib in comparison to its competitors. Um, and now, Millie, do you want to take it on for the rest of them? Yeah, Limpasa total sales are estimated to be $4.6 billion by 2026, with strong sales in breast, prostate, ovarian and pancreatic can uh, cancer, and further indications and settings expected to be approved. Um, this is by far the most successful PARP inhibitor approved. Strong efficacy and acceptable tolerability and safety are what maintain high levels of uptake across all these settings, and it will be near impossible for another PARP to overtake it. Although Limpasa has and will continue to lose market share to Zajula in ovarian cancer, it will offset this through a potential combination with Infinzi, and we forecast it to remain the first-line maintenance market leader. Furthermore, it is, our, it is the only PARP inhibitor approved in pancreatic cancer. 
AstraZeneca have sought out the broadest range of indications for Limpasa, with it being investigated in multiple trials in lung cancer and bladder cancer, which should translate into high revenues for this blockbuster drug. Talzana total sales are estimated to be 800 million by 2026, so this PARP has moderate uptake in breast um, and is expected to have decent sales in prostate cancer. Um, but it consistently lags behind Limpasa in all indications, and unless data in prostate cancer or another indication shows a really strong benefit, this will likely not change. And finally, Rubraca total sales are estimated to be 600 million by 2026. So this PARP has pretty limited uptake. In prostate cancer, it was given accelerated approval based on a phase two study with limited data, meaning physicians prescribe this PARP with caution. Further results from the phase three trial may boost its uptake, but it's unlikely to become a market leader. Rubraca lags behind Limpasa and Zagiola in ovarian cancer, and after a suspension in its bladder cancer development, its revenues are weak compared to the others. A potential expansion into pancreatic cancer is in the pipeline, although after failing to show efficacy in its first phase two trial, we don't hold out too much hope at the moment. OK, thanks both. And I think that probably concludes our uh, talk today. Um, thanks for listening and uh, please check out the description for links to both Ellie and Millie's uh, disease analysis reports and forecasts for the various uh, cancer indications. Uh, thanks again for joining and that's it for now. Bye.